0: Let us pray. Loving Lord, before a word is on our lips, you know it completely. Move through our speaking, our meditating, and our doing, today, tomorrow, and forever, amen. Please be seated. Once upon a time, a long, long time ago, perhaps before last March, Perhaps before this winter, perhaps before last week, you, at some point, felt excitement. You felt excitement about something, excitement mixed with a little bit of nervousness. You said yes to something, yes to a partner or a school or a degree program yes to an invitation or an identity or an honest conversation. You said, yes, here I am. This is what I choose. Use me. And in those words, a world opened under your feet. I can imagine that your heart lifted with such jubilation that it takes your breath away to remember it even now. Once upon a time, I wonder if you felt God's presence. Perhaps you felt this presence surround you with a gentleness like feathers, with a strength like arms. In this moment, perhaps you knew you had a call, a conviction that would guide you all of your days. But then something happened. Perhaps it was COVID-related. Perhaps it was exhaustion for another reason. Perhaps it was something else. But suddenly, every decision ever after disappeared into a fog of anxiety, depression, and questions. So many questions. The light left, and doors slammed, and all you had left was the roiling in your body, the nausea in your gut, the discomfort that lingered with you night and day. None of us will ever know fully what Mary, the mother of God, went through. We cannot. Her meeting with the angel changed everything. Her affirmation shook the heavens. Her ascent to hold the divine rerouted the river of life itself. And yet, in witnessing this story of Mary's, we are invited into a moment, a revelation, a gasp of heaven and earth as they intersect in the body of this young woman, this young prophet, as she steps forth in faith. A little bit earlier, right now in the service, we heard the Magnificat sung And we heard how a new world opens under these words of Mary, a place of jubilant song and echoing assurance. And yet, time is a tricky thing. God's time is not our time. And so while Mary is singing, she's describing God's actions in the present tense. How Israel is rescued even as they are being occupied. She describes how the mighty are thrown down from their thrones even as King Herod reigns. Mary's song is a prism through which we see past, present, and future folded together and refracted by the light of God's love. When we read scripture, we imagine that these things all are happening in a flash. We see a brilliant revelation, a stunning sign, and a moment when everything becomes so clear. And then we live our life, and our faith does not always work that way. God's time is not our time. Indeed, I wonder if the Annunciation actually took a lot longer than we think. What if, between the angel's greeting and Mary's response, several hours ticked by? I like to imagine this, that the angel and Mary are staring at each other from opposite sides of the room for a good long while as she ponders the signs and the assurances that the angel has offered. I like to imagine this angel, this messenger, waiting quietly, patiently for what feels like endless hours until she gives her consent. God's time is not our time. It might take years for us to get the sign we need for the call we received so long ago. Many of us have moments when we have felt close to one whom we call God, close to something deeply holy and loving. Yet we also have many more moments of disappointment, Moments when we waited desperately for that close, tender, faith-filled feeling to return. And instead, all we got were dark rooms and blank walls and disillusioned hearts. This can be the greatest test of faith. We are not most worried that we will never see God once. After all, if we do not have an experience of God, then we have no hopeful knowledge of what such an experience might be. Rather, most of the time, we are worried that we will never see God again. The hardest part of trusting God comes after the first bright burst of faith. The hardest part is trusting that when the feeling fades, the Holy Spirit will remain. The hardest part of faith comes after the angel has departed The light has left after hope has been packed up as tight as a tomb. That is when it is difficult to trust that the Holy Spirit is still at work and that God is still with us. We witness this annunciation today. We receive this revelatory moment and then within a few chapters we watch a full-grown Jesus awe and amaze the crowds but that ministry is still decades away. Before then, the angel departs from Mary, and she is left alone with a promise and a whole lot of work to do. Henry Osawa Tanner is a painter who painted around the early 20th century. He was born in, 18, in the 1850s and died in 1937. He painted many biblical scenes, including arguably his most famous one, the Annunciation, which is on the front of our worship guide, which is available through our website right now. This image, the Annunciation, shows Mary meeting the radiance of God's messenger in a beam of light. Tanner was born in Pittsburgh and studied art in Philadelphia. His father, Benjamin Tanner, was a well-regarded AME bishop. So Henry Tanner, at one point, was the head of his father's church's Sunday school. So even while he decided to earn a living as an artist, he was steeped in the biblical stories. Eventually, thanks to his talent and influential mentors, Tanner was given the means to leave the segregation of the United States and move to Paris, France, where, as a black man, he experienced a more successful and accepting life eventually marrying a woman from Sweden and having a son named Jesse. Tanner continued to paint scenes from scripture, often using his wife and son as models. This week, as I was flipping through a book that I have about Henry Tanner, I came across a painting I had not known of before, painted in 1914, titled Christ Learning to Read. In it, Mary and Jesus are nestled together around a text, the boy Jesus standing within the folds of his mother's arms. It is a tender tableau painted with a luminous vulnerability at which Tanner excelled. This painting brought home to me how Mary's work of bearing Christ continues long after pregnancy. We can forget this. We can focus so much on the moment of conception, on her choice to bear this birth, that we forget to account for the thousands upon thousands of hours of parenting that Mary offered to her son across the decades. And it is these hours which bind a parent to a child, which more truly shaped Mary into the mother of Jesus. Tanner imagines Mary instructing Jesus in the scriptures, helping him study the stories, opening to him the words of the Torah and the Psalms so that one day they will flood through his life and his teaching. The Annunciation tells us a brave moment of faith. But Mary's work is only just beginning. Her response is going to reshape her body and her world, not just for a moment, but for decades and generations to come. We can still witness such leaps of faith that reverberate across time and space today. Recently, I read an article by Dr. Zeynep Tefeki, who is an associate professor at the UNC School of Information and Library Science. Three weeks ago, she wrote an article titled the pandemic heroes who gave us the gift of time and the gift of information. She begins, there's excellent news on the vaccine front, but let's step back. Early on during the pandemic, people were predicting that it would take as long as 18 months to develop vaccines and some thought that was hopeful. And today, just 10 months after a pandemic was declared, Moderna is presenting stunning data People were hoping for a vaccine that would be 60 to 70 percent effective. We've blown past all those expectations. The level of efficacy is around 94 percent. Tanner goes on to uh, goes on to describe how Moderna is using technology for new gene-based vaccines that can be designed quickly from a genetic sequence. Thankfully. For us, for the world, the genetic sequence of our COVID-19 virus became available on January 10th, early last year. Those who saw that sequence then could tell immediately how dangerous it would be, how likely it was to spread globally. Tufeki explains, here's why that January 10th date matters. The genetic sequence of the virus was published 10 days before China acknowledged the severity of the problem on January 20th. The sequence was published while China and the WHO were still downplaying what was going on. The sequence wasn't published in an official document. Instead, it was published independently in an open source depository by Yongzhen Zhang, a professor at the Shanghai Public Health Clinical Center and School of Public Health. Zhang had received the virus from Wuhan on January 3rd around 1.30 p.m. when a metal box containing a test tube packed in dry ice arrived in his office. The researchers in his team worked feverishly to sequence it over the next two days and just about 40 hours later on January 5th at 2 a.m. his team was done. Zhang immediately realized the danger the pathogen posed. He shared the genome with members of his consortium, which included Australian scientist Eddie Holmes. And on the morning of January 11th in China, Holmes called Zhang as he was about to take off for Beijing for another meeting concerning the outbreak at Wuhan. Holmes called and asked Zhang for permission to release the genome to the world. Zhang recalls, I asked Eddie to give me one minute to think, and then I said yes. For the next two hours, while Zhang was cocooned from the world at 3,500 feet, Holmes' post on the website virological.org sent shockwaves to the global scientific community. Scientists around the world got to work immediately to develop tests to start the race for the vaccine to better understand this pathogen that would consume our lives. By the start of the next week, just two days later, the first vaccines were already designed. Dr. Zhang faced immediate repercussions, including his lab being shut down for a couple months. Now he is celebrated with awards around the world, including in China. But last January, when he gave his consent, there was no way to know if he would end up in jail or worse. Tefeki writes that it may have taken him a single it may have taken him a single moment for Zhang to decide, but still his bravery is real. When he decided to publish, it was a time of silence, not speaking out. This was just ten days after the whistleblowers in Wuhan had attempted to warn others and had been detained by the police. The punishment of these doctors for rumor-mongering was broadcast on national TV and it would be another 10 days before the dam broke and President Jinping made his first public statement saying the virus must be taken seriously. Tefeki concludes, as the good news from these vaccines rolls in, we should remember and celebrate the gift Dr. Zhang and his team gave us, perhaps the most important ones for fighting a pandemic, the gift of time and the gift of information. Dr. Zhang acted without being incentivized by, the hu- by huge amounts of money, and he faced potentially catastrophic consequences for himself and his lab. For many years, we'll be analyzing the failures of many governments and our institutions in their responses to this pandemic, but the successes are real as well. More than anything, we should also remember those who bravely stepped up when it counted, the healthcare workers and the researchers around the world, starting with Professor Zhen Zhang. Friends, we are still in lockdown, in rising case counts in dark times of distancing, but even in the midst of this, the Holy Spirit is still moving through Dr. Zhang's yes, many months ago. And it must be said that neither the virus or the vaccine are here because our God was tinkering in their genetic codes, manipulating them like machines. The virus and vaccine are here because our world is made for free will and fecund flourishing, as well as made for relating, sharing, connecting. In this world, we creatures can share germs and viral mRNA in ways that kill and we can share germs and viral mRNA in a way that passes along vital information and saves lives. And so, alongside the investigations of our own failures, we must tell the stories of women and men who made the brave choice to offer themselves and their work who have chosen to say yes for the good of the world. Time is a tricky thing. As we near the end of the year, nobody would say that 2020 has gone quickly. And yet, historians will look back on this as the quickest vaccine production in human history. Nobody would say that our nation or many others responded efficiently or effectively to managing the outbreak of this pandemic, and people are still pushing back and refusing to follow measures for public health. And yet, this year gives us a long string of stories where individuals and communities started saying yes to helping each other on a global scale. Yes to sharing information Yes to sharing resources, yes to sharing time and energy, yes to wearing masks, yes to physically distancing, yes to offering up all they could in order to help others. Those millions of quiet actions and consents have built into a moment when our frontline workers are being vaccinated this very week, nearly half a year earlier than the most hopeful optimists predicted. January tenth, 2020, the day that Dr. Zhang said, yes, publish the code, feels like it could have been once upon a time, a long, long time ago. And yet it was fewer than 12 months ago, and in record-breaking time, we are seeing nurses and doctors, cleaners and chaplains receiving an extremely effective vaccine. So much pain, so much grief has been hurled into our lives this past year. It is easy to imagine that we are still very much alone in our own dwelling places. But the Holy Spirit is still moving through the work of Dr. Zhang and so many others. Even after the angel departs, Even after the darkness descends, the presence of God still abides. The Holy Spirit remains. None of us are Mary, and yet what we glimpse in her story is the reminder that God is with us from our first gasping question until long after the light has left the room. Through the prism of her story, even after the angel departs, we can see the light of God's love refracted and shining upon all of humankind. Jesus our Christ comes into our mire and muck and mess, breaking upon us with a love that will startle us with its most tender might. I wonder how the yes you gave once upon a time is still unfurling through your life today. I wonder how the leap of faith you made might still be reverberating through your community and your relationships. I wonder how the Holy Spirit is still at work in your world, moving even in the dark of winter, moving and breathing until one day new life can take root and even now bear fruit. Here I am, says God. How can this be, we ask? Here I am, says God. What does this mean, we reply. Here I am, says God. Here I am, we declare. Use me according to your will. And friends, the Holy Spirit gets to work. Thanks be to God. Amen.